I have a text line where I send out a free daily motivation text to everyone in my community every morning. If you want to get that text, text me at this number right now, 305-384-6894, 305-384-6894, straight to your phone, free, everyday, daily motivation. Send me a text right now. The culture of the organization will take after the culture of the leader. Work on your game. 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 Approaching the game aggressively, with that aggression, with that confidence to dominate a game. Dre Baldwin, DreAllDay.com. Work on your game. My next live event called Work On Your Game Live will be taking place January 21st and 22nd, Miami, Florida. The two-day event will be covering leadership on day one, communication on day two. But let me tell you what's more important than even the material I'm going to give you on those two days, because you already listened to my show. You've read my books. You already know about me. You know I'm 100% substance all the time. No fluff, no garbage. But what's even more important than what you're going to get from me at that Work On Your Game Live are the people that you're going to meet. I get people coming to me all the time asking, Dre, I need better quality prospects. I need to build a network. I need to make connections. I want to have better and higher quality relationships. How does that happen then? It does not happen through your phone. It doesn't happen through social media. It doesn't happen on Facebook. It doesn't go down in the DM. You need to meet people face to face, person to person, eye to eye, look people in their faces and shake hands where you are physically in the same space as them. That's where real relationships get built. And you ask anyone you know who is very successful or a person you know who makes a lot of money, whatever you consider to be a lot, I guarantee you they have a whole lot of in-person, real-life relationships. Doesn't mean they don't use the phone or computer, but those relationships get built and the real money gets made when face-to-face interactions and handshakes occur. If you want to be one of those people and you're ready to step up to that next level, you need to go to where the relationships and the connections are at. And the next place they're going to be at is in Miami, January 21st, 22nd, and work on your game live. Go to workonyourgame.live to get all details, register your seat, and I'll see you in Miami. That's workonyourgame.live. All my coaching programs are now open at workonyourgameuniversity.com. We have the self-directed learning where you can get access to 37 plus courses. That's over 2,800 lessons that I have created over the years. You can take them at your own pace and you get lifetime access to all of them. That's one level. The next level is the group coaching programs. I have the Bulletproof Mindset program and the branding and business program where you get live Zoom calls with me where I do a training and an open Q&A and you get the community access, member only community where you can make those connections and build relationships with other people who are on the same journey as you and are like minded individuals that are just as serious as you are about working on your game. Third level is the third day mastermind. That is the only place that I offer one-on-one coaching. That is for high level professionals and entrepreneurs who want the personalized direct attention straight from me, not part of a group, but working with me one-on-one. All three levels, you can get access, you can get all details, and you can get started by going to workonyourgameuniversity.com. That's workonyourgameuniversity.com. You are now tuned in to the show where you learn the discipline to show up day after day to do the work, the confidence to put yourself out there boldly and authentically and the mental toughness to continue showing up, doing the work, putting yourself out there, even when the success you've expected to achieve has yet to occur. And on top of all this, you get a huge dose of personal initiative, which is the go-getter energy that moves all of us, including yourself, to go and make things happen instead of waiting for things to happen. And then we put all this together into a series of frameworks, approaches, insights, strategies, techniques, and one unifying philosophy all under one umbrella that is called 
work on your game. My name is Dre Baldwin, also known as Dre All Day, and welcome to the show. And today's topic is getting everyone on the same page. Now, before I get into uh, giving a brief introduction of this topic, let me tell everybody that I send out a daily motivation text every morning. And I know that you would like to receive that daily motivation text free of charge, straight to your phone, just like any other text message. All you need to do to receive that text is just text me right now at my number. My number is 305-384-6894. Just send a quick hello and you'll be confirmed. You'll be into my texting community and you'll receive that daily motivation every morning straight to your phone. Again, 305-384-6894. Now, this topic, getting everyone on the same page, this is a very, this is imperative for every leader who is listening to this. And I don't care what you are leading. You could be leading a family, a sports team, a business. You'd be leading your group of friends. Anywhere where you're in a leadership position is very important that you get everybody on the same page, meaning everyone understands what the goal is. Everyone understands the outcome that we're going after here. Everybody understands what their role is. Everyone, everyone knows, all right, this is what I need to do. This is what this person needs to do. This is what this person over here is going to do. If everyone doesn't know their role, if everyone does not know or is not on the same page with the same goal, you have people trying to with different agendas all on the same team. Any of you ever been on a team where different people had different agendas, meaning they were going after different outcomes, but they're allegedly working together, maybe only a name, if not in spirit, then you probably have problems with that team. Even if you had a very talented team, even if you had a very well resourced team, meaning you had plenty of money. You have plenty of skill on the team. You have plenty of time to get done what you want to get done. If everyone's not on the same page going after the same thing, that team could still underperform and be less successful than it could be if everyone's not on the same page as far as what you're going after. In episode 1187, I told you about three necessary roles that need to be filled on every successful team. In episode 1173, I told you how everybody is a role player, even if you're the superstar or the biggest name on your team. You're still a role player because your role is being the superstar. Your role is being the best player. And any of you who thinks being the best player is not a role, try being the best player on the team and you'll find out how much of a role it is. It's actually the biggest role on the team. It is the most burdensome role. So, yes, everybody has a role, even if your role is being the star or being the, the number one guy or number one girl. In episode 891, I told you how to assume a leadership role anywhere you go. And some of the things I talked about in episode 891, I'm going to be talking about here today. We talk about getting everyone on the same page. In episode 834, I told you about knowing and accepting your role in sports, business, and life. Everybody has to know what their role is. And if you're not playing your role, again, there's going to be trouble for you and trouble for the team that you're serving. In episode 292, I gave you the 10 essential roles of you incorporated the media company. So if you're a person who wants to put media out there, and that could be content on social media, digital marketing media, advertising media, you want to be out in the media space, written audio, visual, no augmented reality, however you can put stuff out there into the world. There are 10 essential roles that you must have filled in your business. Even if you fill all 10 or you hire 10 people to do them, these roles must be filled. And if they're not being filled, then uh, your media is not going to get out there the way that you think it's going to get out there. So make sure you uh, cross-reference those episodes after you listen to this one. So in eight, Episode 1986, not too long ago, I told you about your personal and professional culture. And in that episode, I was explaining to you that every one of us has a culture, our personal culture. I'm not talking about the culture of your, your race or your religion or the community you come from or your neighborhood. 
those have cultures as well, but you personally have a culture. And how does this connect to getting everyone on the same page? Because I remember when I was, I was playing in my years playing basketball. This happened more than once, but there was a particular time I was playing ball with this guy who his whole thing was dribbling the basketball. He was known as this, this really good dribbler of the basketball. He had come up in the street ball culture. He had been watching the street ball tapes on YouTube and on TV and all that stuff, the M1 mixtapes and all that. So his whole thing was dribble, dribble, dribble. That was his whole thing. He didn't care about scoring points. He just wanted to dribble the ball and have the crowd be oohed and odd by his dribbling moves. And he and I ended up on the same team one at one particular point. And the issue that I had with this player was that he was more focused on putting on his dribbling show and getting the oohs and ahs from the crowd than he was at winning the game. And the reason why this was an issue is because I was more focused on winning the game. He was focused on putting on his dribbling show. So when you had two people on the same team, again, not on the same page, then you had problems. Even though he was a very skilled and talented player, I was a very skilled and talented player. The problem is we weren't on the same page and I hated playing with guys like him. And he wasn't, it wasn't just him. I played with a lot of players like that who had their own agenda that wasn't on winning. It was more on you know, getting their personal shine. This happens a lot in sports, but it happens on all kinds of teams. And even though this guy had skills, having skill actually made it worse because the more skilled the person is, the more influence they have. And the more influential a person is, if they're not on the same page as everyone else on the team, the more of a cancer they become and the more quickly that cancer spreads. So it's really important that we all get on the same page, especially all of you out there. And I think most of you who listen to this show, you are in a leadership position in some aspect of your life, maybe every aspect of your life. So it's important that you know how to get everyone on the same page and you just understand how important it is, even if you hadn't thought about it. So let's get into it. Point number one, topic once again, is getting everyone on the same page. Number one, establish a clear culture in your organization. As I told you, episode 1986, just uh, maybe 50 days ago, I told you about getting having your own culture in place. You need to establish a clear culture of the organization. And usually, and let me just give you a hint with this because you might be thinking to yourself, well, you understand the concept of personal culture, but how do you create a group culture? Well, usually, just to give you a, a hint that'll help you save a lot of time and effort and even thinking, the culture of the organization will take after the culture of the leader. So whatever your personal and professional culture is as an individual, the organization that you are a head of, it will reflect your personal culture. So if you're a bouncing off the walls, jumping up and down, you know, dancing down the hallways type of person, that's the kind of culture that you're going to create. If you're more stoic and more you know, control of your emotions, you don't really show a lot that often, you're going to create that kind of culture. Those are the kind of people you're going to attract. That's how it's going to feel when people come into your into your environment. And even the people that you bring in, even if they have a little bit different energy than you, because you're the leader, your energy is going to influence their energy and they're going to be more like you simply because of your leadership position. You're going to have influence on them. So the way you establish a clear culture in your organization is by simply figuring out your personal culture, because your personal culture will be reflected in the organizational culture. So again, whether we're talking a household, a business, a family, a sports team, a business partnership, people need to know what that organization is about and what it stands for. Again, this goes all the way from an individual person to a Fortune 500 organization. Also, people want to know what your organization is not about and what it does not stand for. Any of you who's been following me for some time, you might have seen an article, seen an article that I sent out via email probably around mid-October of 2021, when I had written an article and I was telling a story about how one of my basketball coaches was talking to a player 
back in the day, and he used a homophobic slur in his his questioning of the player. It wasn't really about the slur, but he was just using it as an example and talking to the player. And I shared the story, and some guy who said he was a homosexual, black man, he wrote me, and he was bothered by the fact that I had used the slur in telling the story. And he claimed that he felt like he was being attacked by me. I guess he felt harmed because I used the word in telling the story, which was completely his his disappointment or his alleged disappointment. Because who knows? This, might, this guy might not even been a black man. You never know on the internet people claiming to be something. You don't even know who they are. But anyway, he claimed that he was offended by me using the term, even though I was just quoting someone and telling the story. And I wrote him back and explained to him. Now, I broke the whole thing down. If you didn't read that article, you let me know. I'll forward it to you. But one, and it's also on my Facebook page as well. If you look it up, this is probably around mid October 2021. If you want to go try to find it, and one of the things that I said in that article was that I detest victims, and that's still true. I still, to this day, I detest victims. I do not buy into people being victims. I will not uh, bend the knee to anyone who is telling me that I've done something wrong because they feel victimized by something that I said or something that I did or something that I represent, unless I did something that actually directly violated your human rights or violated your, you know, I violated your your freedoms in some way. If I did the wrong thing, then I'll own that. But if I'm just uh, telling a story or I'm sharing something or I made a joke or I'm just talking about whatever I talk about and you're offended by it and you're bothered by it, I will not apologize for that. And if you feel victimized by that, then you need to get the hell out of here. Wherever you are that you came across me, go the opposite direction. I detest victims and I will never, we will never harbor victims here in the work on your game environment. All right. That's, that includes the, the listeners, the subscribers, the followers, the watchers, and myself. And I'm telling you that to tell you this. I talked about this in episode 1364. The topic was rejection marketing. And many times, especially in the world that we're in today, as crowded as it is, as many people have a, a megaphone and they're putting their voice and their word out there to the world. You need to carve out your space. And the way you carve out your space is not by trying to appeal to everyone. Because as they say, you try to appeal to everyone, you appeal to no one. Rejection marketing is a concept of understanding that you're going to turn some people away. But for every person you turn away, two people are going to be intrigued by you because of the fact that you decided to stand on something, especially in today's world, in today's climate, when so many people are afraid of saying anything that might offend somebody. I don't have that problem. I know that sometimes they're going to say some stuff that's going to offend people, but usually they don't say anything to me. They just, they find the exit and they go somewhere else. Which is fine. Which is exactly what they should do. And every once in a while, you get someone bold enough to actually let me know about it. And then what did I do? I actually used that person being mad at me as more material to get more people to buy into me by letting you know, all right, this is how I deal with people like him. All right. So any of you who feel like that, all right, now here's more reason for you to buy into what I'm doing. That's part of you establishing your culture, what you're about and also what you are not about. And one thing that I've, I know to be true, anytime you're, you feel like you don't really have direction, you really feel like you don't really have energy or you, know, you feel like you might feel a little bit aimless or you don't, just don't feel, you don't feel activated at any moment in your life. One of the reasons is because you don't really know, know what direction you're going and what you're going for. Where, where is all of this effort and time taking you? Here's a way that you can hack that really quickly. Here's a quick hack for it. Here's what you do. Ask yourself what you don't want. Ask yourself what you hate. Ask yourself what you are against. Ask yourself what you don't stand for. Often it is easier for us to point out what we don't like or what we disagree with than it is to point out what we do like and what we do agree with. So this is why it's important in establishing your culture. 
what you are for, but also just as important, what you are not for. All right. Victims are not allowed here. All right. Men with too much feminine energy are not allowed here and they are not tolerated here. People making excuses, not tolerated here. People pointing the finger at externalities, looking out the window more than you're looking in the mirror. They are not allowed here. And I'm not saying those are not I'm just not just making up random examples. I really mean everything that I just said. So any of you who fits any of those categories, this is not the right place for you. And I make that clear as often as I do episodes on things like that all the time. And any of you who've been listening to the show, you know, I touch on these things all the time to let people know here's what's accepted here and here is what is not. That is part of you understanding the culture of what's going on here so that, you know, should you stick around or should you leave? I'll give you an example. Uh, there was a young uh, shortstop playing for the New York Yankees back in the mid 90s. His name was Derek Jeter. And he was taking some ground balls, you no know, practicing on a baseball diamond. And after he got done doing his practice, he was walking off the field back to the, you know, the locker room with one of the older Yankee players. Now, at the time, Derek Jeter was just a young prospect. He was just coming up. He hadn't proven himself yet, but people said he had some promise, but nobody knew if he was going to be good or not. He's doing, taking his uh, ground ball practice time. He's walking off the field with one of the older Yankee players, this guy named Don Mattingly, who was one of the legendary Yankees. And as they're walking off the field, Don Mattingly, the older guy, turns to Derek Jeter and says, hey, you know, somebody might be watching us as we're walking off the field right now. You know what? We better run it in. And run it in means like instead of walking off the field, let's jog off the field. Now, you might think that's a very trivial thing. But in baseball and even at the professional level of a lot of things, that is maybe you consider it trivial, but those little things start to add up. So when Don Mattingly said that to Derek Jeter, they jogged off the field. And the as the story goes, that little thing stayed with Derek Jeter and that him he understood without it being explained to him. The way I'm explaining it to you is that those little things become big things. And Derek Jeter, most of you know who he is. And if you follow baseball, you know Derek Jeter's nickname. And his years playing baseball was the captain. And the reason he was the captain is not only because of the time that he had put in, not only because of people saw his effort, but because of the little things that he did on a day to day basis. And any of you who know baseball knows it's a 162 game season. That's a marathon. That's like every other day and over the course of a whole year, they're playing the game. But the season isn't the whole year. The season goes from what? Late March to November. If your team is good, you go into October. Let me say not even November. Late March to October, if your team is actually good, if your team's trash, then you only play from March to September. So that's six months, 162 games. Can you do the math on that? It's 180 days in six months. So that's a you want to talk about a marathon of a season. That's what baseball is. Derek Jeter became the captain, not because he showed up in the big moments, which he did many times, but uh, but because of what he did on a day to day basis in moments that seemingly don't matter to many people. And he set the culture for everybody else on that team. The Yankees were pretty damn good while Derek Jeter was on the team. Another example is Michael Jordan in the 1995 training camp for the Chicago Bulls. This is Jordan's first full season back after his first retirement. After one of the early training camp practices, all the players were dismissed to go back to the locker room and shower, get dressed and go home. Michael Jordan didn't go back to the locker room. As soon as the coach dismissed the team from practice, Michael went, he walked straight to the baseline and he started doing full court sprints on a basketball court, like conditioning sprints. And according to the story, the other players on the team saw Michael doing this. And without anybody saying a word, they all walked over to the baseline and they all started doing sprints with Michael Jordan. And what ended up happening with that team, for those who don't know, they won the championship that year and the year after that and the year after that, all following the lead of Michael Jordan. What was Michael doing in doing those sprints? 
he was setting the culture. That was his personal culture that he was going to do it. He didn't tell any of his teammates to do it. But once he did it, because of his position as a leader, they all followed suit and that team became really good. They became a legendary team. They went and did a whole documentary about the team because of the lead of Michael Jordan. A counterexample of people doing this in, the, in a way that is not so productive. I remember working at a movie theater when I was maybe a, a high school senior or a freshman in college. And the managers there, there were probably four or five managers there. This is a pretty big movie theater. But the managers were, they were very, very shaky. They, this is probably the shakiest management team, shakiest quote unquote leadership team I ever worked for in anything that I did. All my jobs in basketball, all my little part-time jobs as a teenager, every job I had in my life, this management team in this movie theater was the absolute worst management team. Not because they were bad people, but because none of them understood a damn thing about leadership. None of them exuded anything about leadership. And it showed in the way that that place was run. Because it was like 50 employees that worked there. We pretty much ran the place. I mean, there was very little, very little accountability. Now, people would just show up to work when they felt like it. People were just doing things that they wouldn't be doing if there was anyone who had any leadership skills working there. It was completely crazy. It was like a Going to work was like playing. It was all fun and games. The whole job was just a whole bunch of fun and games going on all the time. And it's at a movie theater. So people are, you know, we're eating all kinds of the, the movie theater candy where people are playing around with the popcorn in the back. It's all kinds of shenanigans going on that really shouldn't be happening at a job. It was a complete shit show simply because the leadership was terrible. The culture there was just no accountability whatsoever. And that place ended up going out of business. Moving on to point number two. Today's topic again is how to get everyone on the same page. Number two. Leaders set the example. Now, this one you should probably already know by this point in the episode. Being a leader in life does not mean necessarily having the title. It doesn't mean you're the boss, the owner, or the manager, though you can be, and it would help if the boss, owner, or manager is also the leader. But the way energy works in life is that whoever's energy is the strongest, they control the situation and everyone else adjusts to it. Usually, people will follow the person who's in the boss, manager, or ownership position, or the best player, or the highest compensator, whoever's been there the longest simply because you have some tangible assets to go with your name that make people say, okay, let me follow this person. They've been here for two years. I just got here. Let me see what they're doing. Maybe I should just follow what they do. Naturally, us human beings, we do that. And it helps when that person who's been there the longest or is making the most money or has the title, if they actually have the strongest energy and they have a strong personal leadership culture, because then everyone else will fall in line. That organization will probably do pretty well. But sometimes things get thrown off when that person is not that individual and you know, then you have problems. For example, Napoleon Hill in one of his lectures, and you can find all Napoleon Hills. Those of you who don't know who Napoleon Hill is, by the way, he's the author of a book called Think and Grow Rich. He also wrote one of my favorite books called The Law of Success, which he actually, The Law of Success was actually a course that Napoleon Hill created, but then it got made into a book. So the way that I understand it, he was teaching it as a course. So you would like buy a ticket and go and he would teach the whole thing as a course. But then they made it into a book because obviously you know, Napoleon Hill wasn't going to be alive forever. So they made it into a book. And The Law of Success is one of my favorite books. It's one of my top five ever books, The Law of Success. So if you haven't read it, go check it out. It is a very long book, but it's worth your investment. But anyway, what Napoleon Hill said in one of his lectures was that a bad attitude, a person with a bad attitude will infect an organization and as I mentioned earlier, the more talented that bad attitude person is, the faster and the stronger the effect of the cancer that they can sow within an organization. Because a person with no talent and no skills, if they have a bad attitude, you can just get rid of them. Nobody's even going to notice that they're gone. But a person with a lot of talent and a lot of skills, if they have a bad attitude, that can destroy your whole organization very, very fast. So this is why, as the leader, 
you got to pay a lot of attention to who you're bringing in, especially the people who are good. And the book called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell, he explains the law of the lid. The law of the lid means the leadership ability of a person determines their level of effectiveness. In other words, the way that John Maxwell explains it, the metaphor that he uses is that your leadership ability is like a, a ceiling, a concrete ceiling, a lid on how far you can go. So if your leadership ability is a seven, then your level of effectiveness will never go past a seven. Right? The highest you can go is a seven because that's your that's the lid. You're basically hitting the ceiling of your effectiveness because your leadership only goes but so high. And he gave an example that I share with you. Maybe some of you might know this example, but you will understand it by the time I get to the end of it. Back in the, back in the 1930s, there were two brothers over in California named, one named Richard, or Dick for short, Dick and Maurice. They started a hamburger business in Southern California back in 1937. They just had this idea to start a business. So they were actually doing well with this business. After a few years, these brothers, their little hamburger business was up to $350,000 a year in revenue. That's pretty damn good. Three fifty dollars a year. Most businesses never get past 100000 These guys were making $350,000 a year in, 19, in the 1940s. All right. So businesses don't get to 100000 in 2021. They were doing it way back in the 1940s. Now, what John Maxwell explained for these brothers to get to that number they were efficient managers, very efficient managers. That's why they were able to get that business to where they got it to. But the problem was, he goes on to explain that these brothers, Dick and Maurice, they were not very good leaders because their thinking patterns, and this is leadership starts with the way that you think, it put a lid on what they could do and what they could become. So what happened was at the height of their success, Dick and Maurice, they found themselves smack dab against this whole concept of the law of the lid. So what happens, they're still doing their thing in their business, but they're not able to grow the business anymore. So they grew it from zero to 350. And the problem that they found at that level was that they kept hitting 350. They couldn't get past that $350,000 $350, mark on a yearly basis, even though they had been growing up to that point. So they were literally coming against that lid. And they were kind of frustrated with this, trying to figure out, all right, how do we get past this? What's the problem? Why are we not hitting it? And around that time, there was this guy named Ray who came into the business because he heard about these guys. Ray was actually a, a milkshake salesperson and or he sold not milkshakes, but he sold machines that create that made milkshakes. Like any of you ever order a milkshake at a store, there's a machine that does the, the mixing of the milkshake. Ray sold those machines and he heard about these guys, Dick and Maurice. They were doing pretty well. So he went out there to check them out because he saw he heard about how much money they were making and they were ordering his machine. So I guess he was servicing the account and he took a look at what these guys had at their hamburger stand. And he liked it so much that he actually did a licensing deal with Dick and Maurice, with the two brothers, to basically allow him, Ray, to start franchising the business out. Because these brothers had, they had kept the operation pretty small to this, the, the couple, the one or two hamburger stands they had that were making so much money. Now, within nine years, Ray took that company from one location with these two brothers who had that, they were hitting the lid. He took it from one location to 500 locations. And by 1961, just a short period after Ray started licensing the business for 200 for two point seven million dollars, not 200, but two point seven million dollars. Ray purchased the entire business from the two brothers and he paid them two point seven. Now, mind you, this is a pretty good takeaway for the two brothers, because mind you, they were only hitting three hundred fifty thousand. He bought it from them for two point seven million. So that's a pretty good exit for anyone who has ever done any type of a startup. I think that's a pretty happy exit. But let's get to the rest of the story. So he purchased the whole business from Dick and Maurice. 
And the problem was, again, we're talking the law of the lid here. We'll get to Ray in a second. The two brothers, they had the skill. All right. They had the skill. They had worked on their game. They had the work ethic. They had worked on their game. They had built this business up 350K a year. The difference is Ray, this milkshake guy, what he had that the brothers did not have was vision and leadership skills. And that is what multiplied the business. It is not just skill. It is not just hard work. Oh, one last thing about those two brothers, since some of you might not even know what this story is. Those two brothers' last name was McDonald, Dick and Maurice McDonald. And that company was called McDonald's. So Ray Kroc, he was the milkshake guy. He's the guy that bought out the McDonald brothers who had this one little store that was doing great, but they didn't have the vision to make it into what McDonald's is today. And Even if you don't eat McDonald's, everybody knows what McDonald's is. The reason you know what McDonald's is, is because these two brothers put in the sweat equity to make something, but Ray had the vision to multiply it and turn it into something big. So that's what the law of the lid is about. And if you haven't read John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, I think I just sold you on a book. So John, you owe me, a, you owe me some, some royalties for selling, you that, selling your book. Point number three, today's topic, once again, is getting everyone on the same page. Number three, consistency is the mother of discipline and discipline is the mother of culture. If you want everyone on the same page, you must make the agenda clear. You must make the process clear. Then you must keep repeating the process and executing on the process consistently in a disciplined way so that everyone knows this is exactly how things go around here. When you're in a place where the agenda is always changing and the rules aren't constant and people don't know what to expect on a day to day basis, of course, you're going to get random results and it's going to feel like nobody is in sync. And that's not actually a feeling. That's actually what's really happening. So your feelings are telling you the truth. If you want everyone on the same page, one thing you got to not do is don't keep turning the page every day. You want everyone on the same page then you got to be on the same page on a consistent basis. Make sure that everyone knows exactly how things are going consistently. In episode 2013, I just told you this a couple weeks ago, do the same things the same way every time. That's what being a professional is about. Professionals do the same things all the time, the exact same way. You can predict what a professional is going to do because they're going to do the same thing this time that they did last time. You should be able to, if you're a professional at what you do or you want to be, you should be able to predict your own actions. And the people around you, your customers, your even your family members can predict what you're going to do, where you're going to do it, how you're going to do it, when you're going to do it. Why? Because you do the same things the same way every single time. If you've listened to this show, if you listen to three episodes of this show, you have a pretty good idea how it's going to go, don't you? I'm going to introduce the show with a similar intro every time. Then I'm going to introduce the topic. Then I'm going to give you some background on why I'm talking about the topic. Then I'm going to give you three or four or five points. Then I'm going to review the points. And then the episode is going to be over. Everybody knows that. I know it. You're supposed to know it. Anyone watches this show two times, you'll know it. Same things, same way, every time. Any of you who's played sports, how do we do our warm-up? Same things, same way, every time. Any of you who does any kind of business, you work in real estate, when you're closing a deal, what's the order of operations when you're closing the deal? I don't know. But if you're in real estate, you know, you know, you do the same things. It's the same operation every single time. Same paperwork, same documentation. All right, let's do this. All right, when that's done, we got to do this. When that's done, we got to do this. When that's done, we got to do this. And you know every single step. And if something is not done, usually know which step is missing. So the consistency is where the discipline comes from and the discipline creates the culture. So culture is not just about how you feel or the kind of clothes you wear or your uniform or the color of the wallpaper. No, culture is just about how you do things on a consistent basis. So many organizations and 
again, an individual person is also an organization. When you're inconsistent in the way that you do things, the biggest problem with that inconsistency is that you don't have an established culture. And when there's no established culture, then you have, again, like I told you at that movie theater, it was a shit show, not because there were bad people working there. The managers were not bad people and the employees were not bad people. It's just that there was no established culture. So there was nothing for anybody to fit into. They call that, this is one of the laws of thermodynamics, they call it entropy. Entropy just means you have randomness because there is no unifying theme keeping everybody in order. Entropy naturally happens when there is nothing keeping everybody in line or keeping everything in line. So this is why your culture matters so much. And that's why consistency matters so much. So let's recap today's class, which is getting everyone on the same page. Again, make sure you review episode 1986, where I talked about your personal and professional culture. Number one, establish a clear culture in your organization. Every organization must have a boss. Even if you're the only person in their organization, you are the boss of that organization. Point number two, Leaders set the example. Being a leader does not necessarily mean you have the title, though it would help if the person with the title is also the leader. That would help a whole lot. But bad attitudes, as Napoleon Hill said, will infect and destroy an organization faster than a good attitude. And the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership, John Maxwell introduced the law of the lid. The McDonald brothers, Dick and Maurice, worked hard and they built their business up to something substantial, but they didn't have the vision to make McDonald's into what it became. That took a visionary, a person with a higher level of leadership to have the vision to expand things and McDonald's becoming what we all know and love today. Maybe you don't love it, but you know about it. Number three, consistency is the mother of discipline, is the mother of culture. If you want everyone on the same page, make sure the agenda is clear, make sure your processes are clear, and then repeat and execute those processes over and over again until everybody knows them. Yes, it can be tedious. Yes, it can be monotonous. That's exactly the way it's supposed to be. Why? Because professionals do the same things the same way every time. Send me a text. If you want to receive my daily motivation message straight to your phone, my number is 305-384-6894. And over at workingyourgameuniversity.com now, we have all levels of university open, whether you want self-directed learning, the group coaching program, or you want to join the third day mastermind for one-on-one coaching. Work on your game. Dre all day. I want you to send a text to this number, 305-384-6894. That is my direct text number. When you text me there, you'll be part of my texting community. And that means you're going to be receiving my daily motivation text, which I send out every single day to keep you sharp, focused, and mentally on point for the day in front of you. Send me a text at this number, 305-384-6894. One more time, 305-384-6894. Get the daily motivation.